keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Friday, September 29th, 2023. It's the Feast of St. Michael the Archangel. Praise be to God. St. Michael, his role in the Bible, of course, is mentioned, including his battle against the devil and his angels. And he has, of course, referenced in the Bible other times, but in a more hidden way. Now, St. Michael is described as the chief of the angels who fought against the devil and protected individuals and institutions, including, and probably most importantly, the Holy Roman Catholic Church. And this highlights his role as a protector. However, he is not simply a protector. He is also an attacker. He has the dual roles of defender and attacker. And in the Middle Ages, St. Michael was considered the first celestial knight with the virtues of faithfulness strength and purity it emphasizes his role as a knight and devotion to the blessed virgin mary now the text also would say that saint michael could be considered a natural ally in defending the honor of god our lady the holy church and christian civilization because we recognize that saint michael defends what god loves as his battle cry is quis udeus or who is like unto god St. Michael and his angels also contemplate God and heavenly things constantly. They experience the heavenly bliss, the heavenly happiness at every moment. So in epics of true faith, some pious souls can communicate this happiness to the church and express it for others. And this is something that we should ask the angels to give us because they gaze upon the beatific vision. So too, we should ask the angels to grant us the grace of having just a glimpse of that beatific vision. We can also say in our time that people are more enthusiastic about worldly things and they lack an appetite for heavenly things. And this is, of course, a great degradation in what our goals should be because our goals should be that of the angels, which is what? Heavenly things. Now, the holy angels are described as being able to communicate to humans And so we know that by asking them to communicate with us, especially our guardian angels, well, they can provide us with these heavenly lights. So let's ask our angels, our guardian angels, but especially on this feast day of St. Michael, to grant us these heavenly lights. Now, we recognize and also pray that St. Michael exercise his dual missions of shield and sword to defeat the devil and on all corners of the world, including our own lives and including every aspect of our lives that we feel is under oppression, that we feel has demonic influence. We ask St. Michael to use his dual roles to not just defend us, but also cast Satan into hell. Now we are lacking today what the holy angels can obtain for us. And they are enumerated with a heavenly happiness and which of course we've talked about can where they can communicate to us. So let's ask them to give us a desire for celestial things It's an excellent thing to ask on St. Michael's Feast Day, and we model ourselves after him and become the perfect knights of Our Lady on this earth. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. Happy Friday to you. Praise be to God. It is a wonderful day, and 
I hope you guys take some time to uh, set aside a little bit of the day to try to celebrate St. Michael today. Maybe uh, make it to Holy Mass if you can. Uh, but joining us right now is Nick. Good morning to you, Nick. Good morning, Adrian. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Praise be to God. Great. Uh, Ave Maria. It's a great day to be a Catholic. It is a good day to be a Catholic. Yeah, that's a good point. I I was thinking it was a bad day to be a Catholic, but you changed my mind. It is a good day to be a Catholic. I'm today. glad I was convincing. <laughs> Are you having any plans for the weekend? Yes, actually, uh, this weekend is going to be a uh, work on the car weekend. Work on the car yep. weekend. Change the oil, all kinds of little maintenance that we got to do on the cars uh, this particular weekend. So going to be busy. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you have uh, some practical things to get done today. I, for one... And actually, I have a really busy weekend today. I my there's like three different things that I have been invited to go to. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to decide which one. My friend, uh, sister Teresa Marie, invited me to the convent. To there's a lecture that's happening at the convent. Okay. So I may go to that, but also there is some um, T T P USA Turning Point United USA okay. is in Houston, and somebody invited me to go to that. So I may do that, but I kind of don't want to. Uh, <laughs> and a friend of mine is having a, a birthday party today. So I may, I'm like, okay, which one do I go to? What do I do? Can only do one. And uh, we'll see how that goes. Tomorrow, I am also trying to figure out what I'm going to do tomorrow. Tomorrow, <laughs> I'm either going to go to Austin for the um, Fullness of Truth Conference. Oh, good. Or I'm going to go to Louisiana to help uh, with the Rosary Rally that's happening there in New Orleans. Uh, so that's going to be Saturday and Sunday. I'm going to relax. Okay. And chill. Good. You should. Chill. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I'll inform everybody on Monday uh, what ended up happening. Okay. So that's good news. That's good news. Are you planning on making it to Mass today for Saint, the yes. Feast of Michaelmas? Yes. Actually, we'll be uh, making it out to Mass and uh, we'll be enjoying that. And, yeah. You know, I wonder if there's any um, any food traditions for St. Michael's Feast Day. There is, isn't there? I don't know. Um, a goose. Yeah. A goose. I believe a goose, a yes. A goose. Hmm. Yep. A little bit outside of my yeah, I don't think cooking I've ever had skills. goose before. <laughs> I may have had it, but it's probably been a long time. That's interesting, huh? Yeah, yeah I've, I don't think I've ever had... I've had duck, which I assume tastes similar to goose, Actually, but I have no clue. No clue. Uh, so if you are planning anything to do for the Feast of Michaelmas, uh, let me know. You can always join us. You can hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, and you can comment down below. At least I assume you can. We'll see if all that is working today. But you can hop down, just look up Catholic Drive Time on any of those platforms, and let me know how you are celebrating the Feast of Michaelmas. Now, at 15 past the hour, we got some election news to cover, so that's really interesting. And there is um, some interesting conversations happening between Newsom and DeSantis and Donald Trump. We'll talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Stephen Cox, a journalist for LifeSite News and a frequent writer for Catholic Vote, is on to talk about St. Alphonsus. And in the next hour, back to the father, we're going to be talking about monarchy, one of my favorite things, especially since clearly they're going to be talking about how they're going to help advocate for my ascension to the throne of Texas. I'm sure that's what they're going to talk about. Sure. I'm a hundred. Totally. And as always, we have our fear and trembling game show. So make sure you're tuning in for that. But let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions, whatever it is that you have going on this weekend. I'm sure you have plenty going on and I'd love to know what it is. And we'll be praying for that. We're praying for in a special way. I asked for prayers for my grandfather that he be healed of his cancer 
And I pray in a special way, in a very special way for Rudy. Uh, Rudy fell sick while he was on vacation. And so he's pretty, he feels really, really bad. And we're hoping he's going to be able to make it back to Houston in one piece. So prayers for Rudy that he have a, a swift and complete recovery. And of course, we pray for the salvation of souls and liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church for our friends, family, and benefactors and all those we promise to pray for. And I think we'll pray the St. Michael prayer today instead. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our safeguard against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. St. Michael, pray Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now, your headline news with Nick Carbone. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are today's breaking news stories. Out of Catholic News Agency, new Hong Kong Cardinal sharing the love of God, not conversion's goal of church in China. Cardinal-elect Stephen Chow said Thursday that evangelization in China today should focus on communicating the love of God without, quote, without the agenda of turning them into Catholics, unquote. In an interview in Rome with CNA on September 28th, the Bishop of Hong Kong, who will be made a cardinal in the consistory this weekend, spoke about his vision for evangelization in, in mainland China. Quote, I think it's important that we say that Pope Francis made a distinction. Evangelization is really to help people understand the true love of God and the love of God without an agenda, turning them into Catholics. Because that shouldn't be what focus, that shouldn't be the focus as what the focus would be very restrictive, Chow said. Out of Catholic News Agency again, we've got Indianapolis Colts owner donates $5 million to the Catholic Charities to honor Cousin Nunn. Jim Ursay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts football team, announced this week that he's donating $5 million to Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago in honor of his late cousin, Sister Joyce Dura. Ursay, a billionaire businessman who grew up in the Chicago area, praised his cousin's service to others during her time as a religious sister. Quote, Sister Joyce spent half a century giving back to others. So with this gift, I only hope to emulate my dear cousin's spirit, grace, and her commitment to our communities. Unquote. Ursay said, said as reported by the Chicago Sun-Times. Out of LifeSite News, Cardinal Mueller warned same-sex blessings are blasphemy as Synod on Synodality looms. The Synod on Synodality is in danger of revitalizing and thus destroying the natural and sacramental marriage of man and woman, warned Cardinal Mueller, who previously served as the Vatican's doctor-in-chief. In a new interview with the Catholic Austrian website cath.net, Cardinal Jared Mueller, Gerhard Mueller, the Vatican's former doctrine head, made it clear that he fears manipulation is being practiced regarding the upcoming October 4th through 29th Synod of Bishops on Synodality, and he calls for the greatest possible transparency. He points especially to the danger of an attack on God-given marriage between man and a woman. The German Cardinal sees the danger of 
relativizing and thus destroying the natural and sacramental marriage of a man and a woman. For Cardinal Mueller, the truth of Christ is what matters at the Synod. Quote, I hope that the truth of Christ will determine the direction of the Synod and not a group of dynamic process will the lead participants in the direction of the anti-Christian anthropology that questions the two-gendered nature of a man created by God. This blatant contradiction to the divine and Catholic faith is gladly veiled with an alleged pastoral care for persons with any erotic preferences, unquote. Those were your breaking news and stories for now. Coming up, what fall campaign is breaking all their all-time record? Keep it dialed in on Catholic Drive Time for more. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 1, verses 47 through 51. Now, before we jump into the commentary, I just thought this was kind of funny. In verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he saith to him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. In verse 38, and 48 rather, Nathanael saith to him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before that Philip came, called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. And Nathaniel freaks out, and he's like, Wow, you really are the Son of God. And Jesus is thinking, Really? That's all it took to impress you? Obviously, our Lord's not confused, but I kind of read this, and I kind of chuckle, because he, he, he comes in, he basically tells him who he is before meeting him, and Nathaniel is just mind-blown. He's like, how did you know who I was? And uh, and our Lord's like, really? Really? This is what it gets you? And verse 51, he says, and he said to him, amen, amen, I say to you, you shall see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And he's like, look, if you thought that was impressive, <laughs> stick around because greater things to come. Now, Cornelius Lapide had much to say about this passage. He says the opening of heaven symbolizes the passage of angels akin to a door being opened. That this is actually figurative language that emphasizes the fact that the heavens appeared accessible. He makes a point that and which is kind of that's kind of funny to me that. It's not a literal door opening up in the sky. Like You're not literally seeing a door open. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure we all knew that. Now, this imagery, Cornelius Lapide points out that at Christ's baptism, this happens. It also happens at the stoning of St. Stephen, which I didn't know. That St. Stephen actually saw Jesus at God's right hand as he was being stoned. I think that's a really cool thing that I was unaware of. Now, the most important thing about this is that Christ has dominion not over just men, but also over the angels. That even the angels have obedience to him, highlighting his supremacy over all realms. For Christ is king, not of our hearts only, not of the world only, but of heaven and earth. And St. Michael, his chief knight. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, all religions believe basically the same thing. They only differ in their external forms, in the way they express it. G.K. Chesterton says the truth is precisely the other way around. 
The religions of the world do not differ greatly in rites and forms. They do differ greatly in what they teach. In most every religion, people pray, they sing, they read sacred texts, they honor their traditions, they have special feasts, they light candles and so on. But they don't teach the same things. They don't believe the same things. There's only one religion that believes that Christ is the Son of God, that he suffered and died for our sins and that he rose from the dead. Only one religion believes in one holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be here with you today. Uh, Before we jump into our stories today, I did want to give a shout out because we interviewed Mr. Alvaro with the the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP, on, I think it was Wednesday. And he talked about them having their rosary rally last Sunday in reparation for the blasphemous Halloween depiction of a decapitated Jesus in Bucktown, Louisiana. And they're actually hosting another rosary rally. They said this last one, they kind of had it at the last second. They were trying to just mobilize and try to see, trying to gauge public support. But now they're trying to do one that's going to be much, much bigger and much more outspoken. And they're trying to get a a large group. And so they're sending it out to everybody and hoping some people will even drive in from neighboring areas. And so I told them, they said, hey, you know, there's a lot of Louisianans who have uh, come in from um, Louisiana, from Katrina, for work, for jobs, things like that, that live all over Texas. And he said, uh, give a shout out. And maybe a lot of these people have family in Louisiana, have family near New Orleans, or maybe they themselves are willing to take a drive all the way out to New Orleans this weekend because they're having a rosary rally of reparation on Sunday, October 1st at 4 p.m. at the intersection of Live Oak Street and Seminole Avenue in Bucktown, Louisiana, just two blocks from St. Louis King of France Church on Carlton Avenue. They said there is to console Jesus that blasphemy is not free speech. If you want, you can contact Mr. Alvaro. If you email me, I'll send you the flyer. It has all the information there. Uh, but you can email him at a Zapata. That's Z-A-P-A-T-A at T-A-P.org. That's A-Z-A-P-A-T-A at T-A-P.org. Or you can just reach out to me, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Send me an email. I'll send you the flyer. And that has all the information to connect so grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, maybe I'll send out the uh, flyer and the email list as well. So if you would like to get that, I will send that to you. Uh, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. If you can make it, I'd be very grateful. Um, I will try to make it myself. It's, it's a little bit of a drive, but we'll see if I can make it. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I just wanted to cover that before we jump into our stories. Now, here is a story we wanted to cover. Election news. So, California Governor Gavin Newsom is criticizing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for agreeing to debate a scheduled November 30th 
stating that DeSantis, quote, took the bait, which is interesting to me. Uh, Newsom questioned why DeSantis, who is running for president, would debate a candidate that's not in the presidential race. Newsom accused DeSantis of being distracted, regretting his presidential campaign and having a, quote, God complex. DeSantis defended his decision, highlighting California's population loss in his pro-life stance, challenging Newsom to defend his position in the debate. Now, I think it's interesting because, one, DeSantis makes a really good point. He said the people have already uh, – you've already lost the debate because people are fleeing California for Texas, Tennessee, and Florida, and they uh, the feet are, are voting. They're voting with their feet, and California is losing population. Now, what's interesting to me is that he says he's taking the debate because he's debating a candidate not in the presidential race. It seems to me that Gavin Newsom is going to run for president. Right. I think Gavin Newsom is gearing up to make a run against Joe Biden. One reason I think this is the case, there's a lot of reasons, but one reason is he's incredibly unpopular in California. I was talking to friends of mine in California, and they were telling me that even their quote-unquote gay friends do not like Gavin Newsom. Even their liberal friends do not like Gavin Newsom, that everybody sees him as corrupt and everybody sees him as cheating in order to uh, not get kicked out earlier this year or earlier last year. Mm-hmm. And he's probably not going to win a future governor, gubernatorial race. And so what's next for him? Run for president. Now, the other thing that makes me think that is a recent poll that came out. And now I'm trying to go from memory. I should have wrote this down. I believe it was the New York Times put out that said that Joe Biden is going to lose a race against Donald Trump, which was very telling because usually they have their polls skew in favor of Democrats. And so it seems like the media apparatus is trying to frame a narrative to try to push Joe Biden out of the race. And who are they going to replace him with? Kamala Harris? I don't think so. With Pete Buttigieg, doubtful. Who else is there, really? Gavin Newsom is probably the most charismatic of the Democrats that could run right now. I mean, I guess they could do Bernie Sanders. He still wants to be president, but he's also a very old man. How about... um, Kennedy? What's his... uh, Robert Kennedy. RFK, yeah. Robert Kennedy, but he's already said that he's going to run independent, which will destroy probably a good i don't know seven percent of democrat votes it's very very concerning for the democrat party right now and i think DeSantis is seeing the same thing and so he's trying to get ahead of that and put himself in the position of having been already in debates with the person who's gonna be running for president and i think by doing that he thinks he can uh, gain a little bit in the polls against donald trump i think that's very interesting strategy and i'm actually glad it's happening because personally, I think we need to bring back the age of debates. And this time passed, you would remember, um, I say remember, as if anybody alive, anybody alive today would remember this. But back in like the time of Abraham Lincoln, you literally would have Lincoln-Douglas debates. It was named after the Lincoln-Douglas debate, where they would have, they get together and they would literally have formalized debates on issues in order to get to the truth of the matter and educate the populace. Now, the po- best possible thing that you could have 
is a quote unquote debate where you have a moderator just ask questions to people. It's like it's just an interview with 10 people. It's not really a debate. And a separate event, DeSantis is now challenging uh, President Donald Trump to a debate, suggesting it would allow Trump to make his case to the voters. Whereas Trump declined the offer and says that they should just get rid of all Republican primary debates. And they said they're boring and inconsequential and that they should cancel them and instead focus their efforts on defeating Joe Biden. On, I wish they would, they would do a debate. I want Trump and DeSantis to debate. But if I was Trump, I'd do the same thing. He's leading the polls. Why put himself in a situation where it can only hurt him? Right. He's not going to win over any DeSantis voters. And he can only make mistakes and make himself look bad. Right. So I don't see an, a reason why he would do it. I hope he does it because I would think I would want to watch that debate. Uh, but I don't think he will. So it's very interesting to see all these things going on in the election. This is really going to be one of the most interesting elections we've had in a very long time. Especially with a lot of the craziness we have yet to see about election misinformation with AI, with new AI voices, which is only going to get better. We're already really good. I mean, we were sharing in the Telegram chat. Someone made a, a AI <laughs> mock debate between uh, Taylor Marshall, Bishop Barron, uh, Trent Horn, James Martin, and uh, Matt Frad, And they use AI to create fake voices and it sounds like probably like 80 percent there yeah it, it was funny it's pretty funny it was pretty, it was pretty amusing whoever did that it was pretty amusing but it's like 80 percent there right like you can still tell that it's fake like it has kind of a weird cadence mm. and a weird almost robotic um like something that it doesn't have the softness of a human voice right but it's like 80% there. You could like clearly tell that's Bishop Barron, that's Taylor Marshall, that's Trent Horn. You can clearly tell. And the way it's advancing, I, I think it's going to be indistinguishable before next election. And so the misinformation that's going to come out is going to be crazy. This election cycle, this 2024, is going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah. So... That's something to keep in mind as we go forward. Now, you, Nick, are very familiar with gun laws, yes. especially uh, you travel with your firearm, right. which is uh, a pain in the rear. One it might is say. a pain. Yeah. Well, have you ever heard of a state gun tax? No. Well, apparently California is going to be implementing a state gun tax and ammo tax. Really crazy. An 11% tax on the sale of firearms, gun components, and ammunition. That's on top of an already 10-11% federal gun tax. Right. That's utterly insane. How do you even... they The amount of restrictions on guns in California... Makes me very concerned because I was talking to this guy who is uh, a Cuban immigrant. I mentioned it on Monday, mm -hmm. and he was talking about how he's like he's like he told he said Texans, y'all need to make sure that y'all protect y'all's gun rights because in Cuba they took our guns. That was the first thing they did, and they we weren't able to defend ourselves. And it scares me to see what's going on in California. Like it's it's almost impossible, and, and they keep trying to get rid of guns in the Supreme Court or or higher courts. Keep shooting down their laws. Uh, I didn't mean to make that joke. Did I? Shooting down their laws. <laughs> and, but if they didn't, 
there'd be like no guns in California. Right. And it's really interesting because California has the second most gun related deaths. And it has the strictest gun laws. I don't know if it's the strictest, but it's up there. Right. Very, very interesting to see those kind of um, that play out. Right. You would think that it would have the lowest gun gun deaths, and yet it doesn't. Very interesting. Very, very interesting to see. Right. And I, you know, I think too with that um, the taxes, it's going to be like cigarette taxes. People are still going to buy them, but they're just keeping on putting a little bit more of a barrier here and there. And uh, and it's just a money grab, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's a, and I think that's right about it being a money grab, because they even mentioned that, that it's going to support wildlife conservation, hunter education, and let's be honest, this money gets thrown into a slush fund, right? And money is fungible. They throw things here, and then they will just spend it on whatever it is they want. The government takes so much, especially California government. Takes so much money, and yet they mismanage it to the nth degree. And then they say the solution is to give us more money. So that way they can do what? Mismanage it some more? It is an absolutely broken system. And anyone who says that we should be paying more taxes just does not does not have their eyes open to see what people are spending their money on. Because they're promising all these welfare things all these things to help society and yet more and more we see more homeless people we see more homeless camps we see more deaths we see higher suicide rate all these things are happening and yet we're still giving them more money and they say it's going to solve the problem i don't think it is right well i think adrian too it's also um i I don't know this to be 100 percent true but as i understand California gets a disproportional amount of federal tax assistance as well. Mm. So not only do they tax their people quite a lot, they also get a lot of the money from federal tax. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. There's a lot more stories that we got to cover. But when we come back, we're going to have more breaking news and stories. Plus, Stephen Cox is going to be on with us to talk about St. Alphonsus Liguori. All this coming up in Catholic Drive Time right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. Was the Catholic Church in existence as far back as the first three centuries? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, baseball. In September 1845, the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club was formally established and called baseball. Rules were set included a diamond-shaped infield, foul lines, and the three-strike rule. But seven years before that, in 1775, that game was already being played on schoolyards well before it was ever called baseball. Secondly, the Apostolic Fathers such as Tertullian, Clement, St. Ignatius, all wrote before 215 A.D. about the authority of the local bishop. And they used the name, the Catholic Church, which already had the liturgy, the Eucharist, the readings, the relics, a hierarchy, and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. To fishermen, a dolphin was just a big fish until they were termed dolphins. But they were always dolphins. And baseball was baseball well before it was termed baseball. And you will love this. The early church was the Catholic Church well before Constantine the Great, the Nicene Creed, and your church history book. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to share your Catholic faith with one another. Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Nick Carboni, and here are more breaking news and headlines. 40 Days for Life fall campaign gets underway in a record 681 cities worldwide. This week, the Sidewalk Counseling Apostolate 40 Days for Life announced its largest campaign ever, with a mission reaching 681 cities across the globe. The 2023 fall campaign launched Wednesday, claiming a record of the largest ever 40 Days for Life as celebrated by CEO and President Sean Carney. Quote, despite what the media and politicians say, the pro-life movement is growing by the day and is not going anywhere anytime soon, unquote. Carney wrote on X, formerly Twitter, quote, the demand for 40 Days for Life is currently at an all-time high. And while we face challenges in keeping up with its growth, we're genuinely grateful for it, unquote. Carney added in a statement to LifeSite News, quote, contrary to the myth perpetuated by certain politicians and the media, that pro-life movements would fade away in a post-pro-row uh, America. The reality is quite opposite, unquote. Quote, 40 Days for Life is thriving daily with increased participation from cities and volunteers. We have much to be thankful for, and there is also much work ahead of us, unquote. Out of Breitbart, Open Borders Boondoggle. Biden's DHS sends millions in taxpayer money to NGOs facilitating illegal immigration. Non-governmental organization, NGOs, aiding border crossers and illegal aliens are raking in millions millions in American taxpayer cash from President Joe Biden's Department of Homeland Security. An accounting of public records shows. This week, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced that the administration was sending more than $12.2 million to NGOs like Catholic Charities, the Salvation Army, the United Way, Annunciation House, a Baptist Church Association, an Episcopal Diocese, and Lawyers for Good Government Foundation, among others, for the facilitating illegal immigration. The additional millions announced this week are on top of $290 million previously announced in June of this year, as well as another $77 million announced last month. In total, the Biden administration has awarded NGOs and sanctuary jurisdictions close to $800 million through the SSP grants route. Out of Alatea, Vatican astronomer comes to rescue of NASA mission. Brother Bob Mackey is one of the few scientists with the technical know-how to put together a complex device to study precious asteroid samples. His work as a Vatican astronomer is playing a key role in space exploration. In fact, he designed a custom device for studying asteroid samples, lending a hand to to a NASA mission when it was most needed. Brother Mackey, known to most people as Brother Bob, is a scientist with a doctorate in physics and is also an expert on meteorites. His 2010 dissertation, Analyzing Over a Thousand Meteorites, is cited often by other scientists. In recent days, Osiris Rex's sample capsule successfully returned to Earth. 
Mackey has left Rome for Johnson Space Center in Houston to be on hand to study the historic asteroid sample. Those were all your headlines this morning. May God bless all your holy efforts today. Thank you, Nick, for keeping us up to date. You know, I really like um, looking up at the sky. I think it's very interesting to see what's going on. And especially this morning, I was looking at that moon, and I was like, man, it's just so beautiful. Beautiful. And uh, that just reminded me, one of the first times I met a really close friend of mine, and we we were outside, and there was a beautiful full moon, and he goes, this is the first time I ever met him, he goes, man, I can't believe we've never been there. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) And that was my first time ever talking to this guy, and I was like, dude, what are you talking about? And uh, so that was pretty funny. But yeah, way to break the ice. <laughs> right, exactly. That's a good way to start a conversation. So that was a good. Uh, and so every time I see that full moon, the every time that I, the, immediately the first thing I think of is, man, I can't believe we've never been there. <laughs> uh, but it's pretty funny. But anyway, anyway, joining us right now is Stephen Cox. He is actually the uh, a writer, a journalist for LifeSite News, and a frequent writer for Catholic Vote, and who we check their site pretty much every single day. Uh, so good morning to you, Stephen Cox. Thank you, Adrian, for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here. Ah, praise be to good. It's good to have you on. You know, it's really interesting. You, we, you people would say, okay, he's a journalist for LifeSite News, a writer for Catholic Vote. Uh, what is the book that he would write? Uh, St. Alphonse Liguori. So why St. Alphonse Liguori? It's a great question. Uh, just to quickly uh, correct something there, I haven't written for Catholic Vote for a number of years, but I've done a number of things for them in years past. Uh-huh. But as a full-time journalist at LifeSite, uh, yeah, you'd think maybe writing for something about maybe something more controversial. But uh, Saint Alphonsus Liguori, why him? Well, because he played such an immense role in really my reversion to the Catholic faith in my late twenties. I'd fallen away from the church, uh, as many young people do. I'm sure you have, you know, people who this has happened to, and you know, you get into the world quite a bit. Uh, but, you know, I came back to the faith fairly quickly in my 20s, worked for the Archdiocese of Chicago that was then under Cardinal George. And in my late 20s was wanting something more with my faith. I had discovered the Latin Mass and really wanted to get deeper into spirituality. And uh, I started just by chance, happened to discover St. Alphonsus's books. Uh, my roommate had them at the time and I had never read him before. And I figured, well, this might be uh, the right saint, I think, to, to kind of get me on the path to rediscovering my faith and it turns out it was so amen that's beautiful and i mean i think there's many such cases many people will say very similar things about uh, finding the traditional mass and finding uh, these saints that have kind of been lost and rediscovering them a very beautiful thing now this book is really interesting because you kind of have it broken down into uh, different sections and i was reading the section on prayer and what particularly stood out to me is your section here about St. Alphonsus being a lover of music. And that's interesting because you kind of have this impression of some of these saints, especially people like St. Alphonsus Liguori, who you kind of get, most people will read him and like, oh, he's the moral doctor of the church. Very uh, like, no, no, no fun. You're not allowed to have fun. No nice things. Uh, but St. Alphonsus really had, was actually very musically talented. Uh, tell me about this. 
Oh, absolutely. His father raised him. He was the oldest of seven children, and he had tutors in an array of subjects in his youth. He received his canon and civil law degrees at just 16. He was a master harpsichordist in his in his youth. And it was a habit, in fact, that uh, he, he put away when he got a little bit older. As a youth, he also enjoyed going to the theater. Um, he wore glasses, but when he went to the theater, he would take his glasses off, close his eyes, and would... Uh, really just enjoy what he was listening to. Um, so when he became a priest, he, he did put that a bit aside, but he, he also understood that music has a special impact on on souls. And so he actually would compose hymns uh, over 50 when he went on his missions in the Italian countryside in the kingdom of Naples. So he would sing. He was a performer of sorts for his um, for those who he preached to, uh, he would sing to the religious nuns that he would also give conferences to. And he also in private played the clavichord. So he was very talented. He would sing hymns to Our Lady instead of going to recreation or doing something else that uh, would have been more relaxing. Instead, he spent his free time uh, as a priest and bishop uh, composing hymns to Our Lady. And so he, he understood well the importance of, of music on the soul. And uh, it was a very impressive individual. Again, wrote over uh, 110 books in total in his lifetime, pamphlets, treatises, things like this. And um, uh, hymns were, were a part of that for sure. Yeah, and one thing about the the hymns, I don't want to belabor the point too much, but I, I do like this idea because we live in an age where music is so bad. It's just all, all bad. But we have a natural love for music and we want to have good music so badly that we make compromises and say, well, that music's not that bad. And so you give ourselves excuses to listen to it. And I just, I just mourn and, and yearn for, for, for this kind of music that exists that is beautiful, good, true, and, and not bass. Uh, what's, what's your thought about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the first things I did after reading St. Alphonsus, and it's a very simple thing, but it, it would never occur to me to, at the time. I turned off my car radio and I just, I, I, I relished the silence. St. Alphonsus says silence is, is so important for, for the soul. And instead, I, I started praying instead on my drive home from school. I was a, a instructor at community <clears throat> college in the area here and I would just zone out on my way back from, from work. And I realized, wait a second, you know, this is valuable time and I need to be doing something with this time. Uh, that uh, glorifies God. And so I began to listen to classical music and I began to discover all the great uh, songs uh, of the past, the, really the, the hymns of a past. And it was uh, a really much better use of my time. And uh, St. Alphonsus um, also, again, understood that, 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 again, music uplifts the soul. He, he actually composed a very famous hymn that's still around today, Adrian. It's like one of the most famous hymns in Italy. If you go there today, they still sing it. It's wow. called From Starry Skies Thou Comest. It's like the Christmas carol in the entire country of Italy. And Andrea Bocelli still sings it at Christmas time. So he made that much of an impression uh, in the 1730s, 40s, 50s. And it's his best song is still known in Italy today. Wow, we should get somebody to uh, go do a very good poetic translation of his hymns and uh, get him into English. That would be a great task for somebody to do. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about religious life. Because we are in need of priests, and more importantly, in my opinion, religious. And Alphonse Liguori was a man who preached religious life. So we're going to talk about that when we come back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you very soon. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. 
Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is just out of touch? It's going to have to change if it ever hopes to be relevant in today's world. But G.K. Chesterton says, we do not need a church that will move with the world. We need a church that will move the world. It's not that the church has to change, it's that the world has to change, and it's up to us, as the church, to change the world. That is the call to conversion. We don't convert the world by giving in to it. Chesterton says, The world is converted by the saint that contradicts it most. I guess that explains why in an age that worships money, sex, and power, the most influential woman in the modern world was a tiny little nun taking care of the sick and dying in the streets of Calcutta. Want more than a minute? Visit Chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It is always good to be here, especially on Catholic Radio. Uh, Joining us right now is Stephen Cox. He's the author of St. Alphonsus for the 21st Century, a handbook for holiness. I have it right here in front of me. If you're watching online, you can see it. And if you're watching online, you can actually leave a comment down below on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, and interact with us directly so join us online if you are able to. We'd love to hear your comments. It'd be a great uh, conversation to have. Now, uh, Mr. Stephen, it is really interesting about religious life. And I want to jump into the conversation about religious life. But before I do, I just have to ask, do you know if Alphonse Liguori, considering today is uh, is Michaelmas, um, wrote anything about St. Michael or had anything to say about the angels? That's a great question. I'd have to actually probably buy some more books of his. There's so many that have been written in Italian that haven't been translated. Uh, he has written things about angels. Uh, I don't include them in, in this book per se. There's a volume two coming out. So, so around Christmas time, maybe I'll be able to fit something like that into the next volume. But, uh, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I'm always, I'm always curious about the, uh, uh people who have saints who have written about the angels. It's just very beautiful. I think, um, saying, um, Oh man, Alonsis, Alonsis, he wrote a good book about uh, the angels and uh, just something good to meditate upon. Uh, but the religious life, speaking of angels, angels here on earth, uh, the religious, at least they should be, is a very beautiful thing. Now tell me this chapter on religious life. I love the way you broke it down because you kind of start off with uh, the uh, considering a vocation, your own kind of journey here, uh, implementing it through here with Alfonso Liguori. And then you kind of end on a great place, which was it's kind of funny because I was having this conversation literally yesterday about what the standard of a priest must be. I was talking to a friend and they were saying, hey, look, priests are humans. We can't expect them to be perfect. Um, and I'm like, St. Alphonsus might disagree with that statement. Uh, so what say you? Tell me about this chapter on religious life. 
Yeah, actually, he does. So in this regard, he does actually say something about the angels, but in comparison to priests. And, and he says, uh, the priest, uh, a priest gives greater honor to God than the angels, and not just the angels, Adrian, but the Blessed Virgin Mary as well. Whoa. Now, that's a big statement, all right? And when people first hear that, say, how, how could that be? Mary's the mother of God. She, she bore, bore Christ in her womb. St. Alphonsus actually says it's due to the fact that priests offer Mass in reparation for sin. Uh, and then they also forgive sins in the confessional. And these two things, Mary or, this, or the angels uh, could not do by, their, by, by virtue of what they are. The angels cannot forgive sins. Mary cannot um, uh, confect the sacrament of the Mass. Uh, and so these two things are very unique about the priesthood. And St. Alphonse says, the, by virtue of that fact, that the office of the priesthood is greater than, than the angels, the priest must not pollute his hands. If he's going to be the medium, the vessel through which God comes down to the people, uh, he has to live a spotless uh, and, and, and a spotless life. And he gives a number of bullet points through it, and, and I put them in the book, Adrian, as, as you as no doubt mentioned here. Um, there's a number of things. Priests need to deny themselves the pleasures of life, you know, their preferences, their sometimes their favorite food. St. Alphonsus put bitter herbs on, on his meals to, to deny his palate. Um, instead of going out for recreation, he, he, as I mentioned, he would go and spend time uh, with the Blessed Lord in the, the Eucharist, and he would he would he would he would find very wholesome things to do, like like compose songs to Mary. So so there's a number of things that he did, and it wouldn't be a total self denial uh, as opposed to what we're seeing today. And it's interesting as well because the Saint Alphonsus uh, was a founder of religious orders. And I think this is interesting to to think about considering, I mean, we have uh, this distinction between a religious priest and a secular priest. Uh, tell me about these uh, the religious orders that he founded in relation to this. Yeah, so he founded the Redemptorist Order. This was a, an order of, of missionaries, if you will, uh, in, in 1732 after a nun, Sister Maria Celeste Crosterosa. Uh, she had visions of him, actually, several years before of him founding uh, the priestly order that he founded. And uh, eventually the, there was doubts about her visions, but um, they eventually were overcome. And she founded the Redemptristine nuns first. So God worked through her to found the, 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 the nuns order first. And then the next year um, worked through her to, be, to start the Alphonsus' order. And their focus was the most abandoned souls in the Italian countryside and you know, throughout the kingdom of Naples. So Naples and, and, and the papal states were actually divided. Uni unity in Italy was not yet forged at the time, again, 1700s. And so, so his order was one that did fairly extreme penances. St. Alphonsus himself disciplined his body with uh, sharp chains um, and uh, uh, other forms of fasting on Saturdays in honor of Mary, and uh, he did a number of other penances as well. Throughout his life, he wore pebbles in his shoe, it's believed, to cause discomfort. And so their focus really was going to preach missions uh, to the peasants in the Italian countryside, and all of their missions always included uh, sermons on the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, hell, as well as sermons on God's mercy, though. They did not forget to do that. And then also on Mary. So there was a number of things that they focused on, but but those are the primary ones. Now, another aspect of the Redemptorist order, and one of my favorite things about them, and I've heard a few Redemptorists uh, preach. Um, there's a, a group of traditional Redemptorists that I've heard give uh, preaching in the past, and their preaching is just absolutely amazing i i just i was absolutely just taken away by their preaching because it's so simple 
but at the same time, incredibly profound. And it just blew my mind. And I still remember one of the things that he said, he repeated over and over and over again. And it actually stuck to my memory was he said, life is short and death is sure. The hour of death remains obscure. A soul you have and only one, if that is lost, all hope is gone. And I still remember it. I still have it memorized now. Uh, so tell me about uh, the preaching style of St. Alphonsus and its relationship there. That's amazing. Yeah, Redemptorists are, are expert uh, preachers, and it comes from St. Alphonsus. St. Alphonsus always said he did not preach a sermon that the little old lady in the back of the church couldn't understand. He actually revolutionized preaching at the time. It was very much opposed to simplicity, and and it was very hi- highly ver- verbose and very complex. But he made it simple because he understood where the people were at. He had to meet the people where they were. Uh, as a matter of prudence to to help them where they were where where they were living and what the situation was in their life so he he explains that uh, preaching should not be uh, overly affectatious not histrionic or or as we unfortunately i think see today so many priests walking up and down the aisle and raising their hands left and right and, and making all these um, eccentric uh, behaviors. But St. Alphonsus said, uh, keep it simple, keep the head direct, um, use simple words, and get to the heart of the matter. Make a couple points. Uh, don't be overly long, but not to be overly short either. He says you have at least two or three points on every sermon. Drive that home. And again, he would sing in his sermons. And, and I think as you as you prove to the fact that this this priest who who you heard gives a little bit of a rhyme in some of these these his delivery, it, it very much helps. Um, and 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 that's I think the mission of, of the redemptorist when they preach, uh, as, as as per Saint Alphonsus, it's it's very simple, direct, uh, but also uh, very memorable because of what they preach about. And Saint Alphonsus uh, did that, and the fruits are obviously still bearing fruit. Now, the last thing I want to talk about in terms of religious life before we move on is the question of discerning a vocation. And this is always a good topic because we need people to try to uh, – we need we need priests. And more importantly, in my opinion, we need religious. So tell me about this in terms of uh, discerning a vocation. Yeah, so, so he says a lot, and there's a lot in this book, uh, not just for – for uh, laity, but again, as for those who are discerning uh, religious life, vocations to the priesthood, uh, lay brothers, uh, as well as nuns. Um, as I said, a nun sort of indirectly founded the Redemptorist Order. And uh, St. Alphonsus would often write in, in council, the Redemptoristine nuns throughout his life. And he would also write to lay women. He would say, consider the lot of married married uh, women. Uh, they Their time is spent in... Um, the chaos of of of, private, of the private home. They have their husband to tend to, their children, their in laws. Uh, very little time uh, is allowed for for married women uh, to to be with God. And so he would always encourage young women. In fact, one of his nieces, uh, he he actually successfully persuaded her to pursue uh, life in the convent. And he said, if all women knew the beauty of life in the convent, oh, there there would barely be any married women. And so he made that point very much to to to, to lay women. But he also said in general, Adrian. That one in three children, okay, uh, have a vocation uh, in some way, shape, or form. So one in three—that's a lot of priests, brothers, etc.—that we're missing out on today. And he would very much again remind young men to say, "Hey, when you know your death judgment comes, uh, will you look back at your life as giving yourself entirely to God? Uh, do not neglect the graces that He's giving you to pursue this." And he again was very kind and very thoughtful to the to the brothers that he had in the redemptorist order and there were several brothers at the end of his life who cared for him very much he was he was sick 
for many years of his life, throughout his life, but the last five or six years were very, very difficult on him. He, he suffered from scruples. And two brothers in particular tended to him every day, and it's believed that they underwent the sort of martyrdom with him because there were so many things that were going on in his life that he needed help with. Um, he had a bit of a temper, nothing uh, too untoward, but uh, was not always easy being around him. And these brothers, you know, it's a very beautiful life for, for people to pursue as well. So he, he understood. He was a bishop too, Adrian. So he understood the entirety of giving oneself to God, either in the convent, either as a brother or as a priest or as a missionary, like the Redemptress. So, so he, he is someone, again, as a doctor of the church, we can look to for advice on, on almost every issue. In fact, he's written so much that it's believed now, he did not touch on you, every, uh, not one thing. What would you say about uh, parents? Because I feel that a lot of vocations are lost because parents don't encourage it or sometimes they even discourage it and they're like, no, I don't want my kid to be a priest or a nun. Uh, what would you say to parents who their kids may have a vocation? Yeah, you got it. Well, St. Alphonsus would say that parents who dissuade a young person from pursuing a vocation sin in two ways. They sin against piety. They sin against charity. Okay, so the, the obligation of parents is to look out not just for the temporal well-being, Okay, uh, making sure they get the right food, making sure they're getting a good education, but primarily their spiritual well-being as well. And if a child has a vocation, that that vocation belongs to God. The, the parent should not be dissuading that. In fact, they should be actively encouraging that. And unfortunately, I think the case is today that we are, I think maybe intentionally, uh, dissuading children from from knowing the great saints of the past, the the the, the Ten Commandments, uh, and knowing Scripture. And instead, we're putting in front of them television, uh, sports, uh, and and smartphones instead of reading what we really need to do. And Saint Alphonsus has a bunch to say about parents and their obligation to children and how they can do that. It's in the book Saint Alphonsus for the 21st century. But he also says, and I'll end with this, uh, Adrian. He says parents will be held for all the sins of their children. Okay, so at judgment, uh, it'll be the parents who answer for that. So, mm. so sort of a scary thing to think about, um, but I think a very sobering thing. So um, everything else is in the book. Check it out. There's more to it than that. Yeah. He says, parents, discipline your children, raise them in the faith, and they'll be, they'll be uh, the ones who keep, it, who keep it as they get older. Amen, amen. And we didn't even get a touch on spiritual warfare. We didn't talk about Our Lady. We didn't talk about sin. Uh, there's a lot more to cover. Um, definitely a book I, were, I, I very much enjoy. St. Alphonsus for the 21st Century by Stephen Cox. Uh, check it out. You can find it anywhere good books are sold. St. Alphonsus for the 21st Century. Uh, look it up. Thank you very much, Stephen Cox, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Go to Amazon.com. You can look it there and uh, find me on Twitter at Stephen Cox. There you go. And that's going to do it. We're going to head into our second hour. If you can join us, praise be to God. We'll see you in just a moment. Uh, we're going to talk about monarchy coming up in one moment. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time. Gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. <laughs> It's a much more warm and open place, and God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. 
Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue, you're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to study a section of the catechism. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's always good to be here. You know, I just noticed, I do this sometimes, I mispronounce my own name. <laughs> I, I do that pretty often because it's just too many syllables. Right. It's like, I, I'll say Adrian instead of Adrian. And so I never blame anybody who mispronounced my name because I'm like, that's just too many syllables, man. It's Adrian Fonseca. That's six syllables. That's way too many. That's a lot. That's way too many. I love my name. But gee whiz, that's a lot of syllables. Uh, but anyway, before I go on this random tangent, I don't know where that came from. Uh, <laughs> I, I mispronounced my name at the introduction. That's how it came up. Uh, we're going to talk about Back to the Father. And who better to talk to about Back to the Father than, of course, Cecil Anderson. You thought I was going to say Dave Palmer, didn't Ooh, you? You thought I was yeah. going to say Dave Palmer. I was going to say, I think there are some better people that you could talk to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good morning uh, to you, I will Cecil. Do. Good morning. How are you all doing? We're doing very well. Praise to God. And now, Cecil, what happened? I, I was informed that Dave Palmer was gone for one day, and yet I think Cecil's plan of taking over Dave Palmer's job <laughs> has been commenced because, yet again, Cecil is here. Yeah, I've been on a five-year plan to take Dave's job, and we're getting close to the end of that, and it seems to be working. But uh, no, uh, we kind of <laughs> forgot the schedule and that Dave was actually going to be out for two Fridays. He's actually today driving to Round Rock to uh, MC the Fullness of Truth uh, Spiritual Warfare Conference. So if anyone's going to that, make sure you say hi to him. Um, but uh, because of that, I guess... William and I did not do so terribly last week hosting Back to the Father alone that he's letting us loose again, and he may wow. regret that. Wow. Praise be to God. Actually, I may be going to the Fullness of Truth conference, uh, so I may see him there. 
That's pretty there cool. There you go. All right. Oh. You can tell them, don't ever let William and Cecil back to the father. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm to report back exactly what happened. Now, what is the topic for Back to the Father today? Well, so again, I thought we were only doing one week, so I chose a topic last week that I was super comfortable talking about, prayer, uh, but I wanted to be fair. And since we had a second week, our intern, William, who is fantastic, he's a local homeschool, uh, high school intern that we have, he uh, really wanted to do a subject uh, having to do with government. And he wanted to do, he had a couple ideas out there, and this is the one I thought, I think we can handle this one. And uh, the subject is going to be, well, the title of the show I'm going to call it is, Is Monarchy the the best form of government, which I know, Adrian, I'm sure you right off the bat already have your answer and sort of Aquinas, actually. Uh, and we're actually going to be straying from uh, the Summa, which is normally what you <sighs> use as our resource for most of Aquinas. But in this particular one, in the Summa, uh, according to Dave, because when I told him what we were talking about, he's like, that's not really in the Summa. I'm like, perfect. Let me <laughs> let me research where we can learn more about this. And it's in another book that he wrote, uh, De Regno or on kingship. So um, that's been kind of my reference point, and I've been reading a lot on it, um, and it's going to be, I think, an interesting discussion. Praise be to God. I think it'll be a great conversation. And I always would tell Dave, I'm like, Dave, look, I love the Summa. I think it's great. But you got to read some of other St. Thomas's works. You can't just read the Summa. He has a <laughs> million other things that he's written. You got to expand, expand a little bit. So praise be to God. I'm excited to see what y'all have in store. Uh, so tell me about De Regno. Uh, what did you learn so far? Well, you know, it's something I think that we have touched on briefly in the past. Um, but I like what I like about it is that he is really going through the different, all the kind of arguments, kind of like he does in the Summa, he's going through why do we think this, is, he thinks this is the best form of government, and it has a lot to do, obviously, with God, and God being one, and uh, he rules that way, and but he also immediately addresses, like, one of the second or third points he addresses is, like, what is the opposite of, you know, a perfect monarchy would be, like, a terrible tyrant, like, that would be, uh, it could easily be really amazing or awful, you know, um, and it's just been a very interesting uh, thing to learn about. This is not something that I normally would, you know, read in my spare time, but I have enjoyed it so far. Our intern, William, has a lot of thoughts on it, so I'm excited to hear what he says because I think he has researched this quite extensively. Um, but yeah, I've just, I've enjoyed it so far, and it's, I just think it's a good topic, and I think most people don't even think about it. Like, I, for instance, was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about what we're talking about today, and she's like, I had never even thought about that, that that, that there's, mm. like, the best form of government, you know, we're in America, we think democracy. Right. You know, that is the best thing. Um, and obviously, America is great. We have some amazing things here in this country. We're extremely blessed. But also recognizing that what if we were living in a God-fearing country that had a monarch who was leading us towards heaven? You know, it's interesting, Cecil, because uh, we have a very negative disposition to monarchy in America. Uh, we have, really? We're taught in school, monarchy bad. <laughs> we're taught in school. We uh, freed ourselves from the oppression of the king, which, I mean, to be fair, I mean, he was an Anglican. So I mean, a little <laughs> different. Uh, but uh, what say you about the kind of animosity that we kind of have? And how do you like kind of uh, chip away at the natural American disposition of saying monarchy bad? That's a great question, because I feel like today, especially, um, we're in this, you have this fine line, because a lot of people are very angry at America in general. And so I definitely don't want to ever just be like, you know, 
America terrible because that's really common right now. But at the same time, I think we have to recognize that despite all the many, many examples of really bad kings and queens in the his in history, there were some really good ones too. Um, and I think sometimes just having a slightly open mind about Yes, obviously, we are very, very proud of our independence. We are so proud. We won. We were the little guy. We won. And we have that pride. Uh, but also recognizing that just because we have some wonderful benefits here doesn't mean that other forms of government are bad. Mm. Yeah, I think that's important to keep in mind, especially uh, kind of um, shaking off the fact that we kind of were ingrained with this narrative that that these things are not good and recognize that. I mean, just look at the the saintly kings and queens, and I think it'll sh- change a lot of people's uh, minds immediately that it's not necessarily bad, and then we can work from there. Now, tell me about, you said you were having discussion with your friends. Uh, what's something that you discussed about that it was uh, kind of shocking to your friends? Well, you know, it was really funny. I had some friends come over because my dog last night had a slight pet emergency. And so some, I was alone. So I called some people over to help me <laughs> except for the dog. And in the midst of that, I was just talking about uh, getting up this morning to talk about Aquinas. Um, and I was saying, oh, I'm going to be talking about um, the forms of government, particularly why he thinks that monarchy is the best form of government. And they were kind of like, oh, I had never heard that before. And I, I think that's the case with most people. If you have not dug into some of the philosophers and uh, some of you in the church, early church fathers um, had a similar viewpoint on it. And um, I remember actually the first time I was exposed to it hilariously was at a Protestant youth group. That really? I Very interesting. Yeah, I know. So right before I started going to the Catholic church, we had left the previous uh, Protestant church and temporarily went to this other one. And my mom wanted me because she felt badly because you know, when you leave a Protestant church, sometimes uh, or oftentimes relationships can be severed. And so she's like, I want you to have, you know, meet some new friends. So she sent me to the youth group of this new church. And the very first night, this um, gentleman who was leading the youth group, he suddenly just looked at the group and said, okay, what's the best form of government? Hmm. And everyone is, you know, shouting out this and that and this. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. But no, it would be a monarchy. I mean, preferably a perfect monarchy, which is really only God, but the idea being, you know, someone who is, you know, fearing God. And I was like, huh, I don't think I've ever heard of that before. But yeah, I think it's a new idea for a lot of people. Yeah, that's really interesting that that would happen in a uh, in a Protestant church because they tend, they tend to have a more egalitarian view of um of even of liturgy, of, of worship, of, of right. organization. <laughs> and so this idea well, of a hierarchy is very interesting. So full disclosure, that particular church was a PCA, a Presbyterian Church of America, which is the same denomination that Scott Hahn was before he converted. And it the way they set up their services is very similar to the Mass. There's a first reading, a psalm, a second reading, the gospel. Um, there's communion every single week. Now, obviously, views on what communion is is nowhere what the Catholicism is. Um, but they also do have a bit of a hierarchy. Ah, interesting. Well. Okay, so <laughs> the, you mentioned hierarchy, and I think this is an important thing to keep in mind when it comes to a monarchy is this idea of a hierarchy. So uh, what did you kind of discover in terms of uh, why a monarchy is hierarchical and why that's not a bad thing? Well, a couple of things, and I'm going to be paraphrasing because honestly, um, still some of these things are new to me, but uh, some of the ideas is like one of the points I think he thinks makes early on in this book is that, you know, just as, you know, a captain of a ship would be making all the decisions what's best for 
his crew uh, weathering a storm and not having to go to like a group of people saying, what do we think the best plan is here, guys? Like, we're about to run into a mountain. Like, what should we do? Um, and he is able to just make those decisions. And those are one, that's one of the points, like one of the first ones that he brings up is something like that, is that not having to always rely on going to a board or going to a group, you know, whatever it may be. Not saying that kings don't have advisors, but also that they have the autonomy to make those decisions. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, imagine if you're you're heading toward a disaster and you're like, all right, guys, let's convene a synod and we're <laughs> all going to get vote. together. <laughs> and all right. A vote. Oh, we uh, didn't get consensus. We're going to take a revote. Uh, anyone want to have another discussion? And it's like, uh, guys, we're about to crash. <laughs> so it's very good. There's a very, uh, very funny uh, radio comedy that the BBC did uh, called Cabin Pressure. Uh, I would recommend it. It's actually pretty clean. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is in it, and it's about a cabin crew. And they were doing some training, and the first officer was told that, you know, if he's ever feeling intimidated by the captain, you know, he sh- if he sees the problem, how to bring it up to be nice and casual. And he goes, yeah, so here, in this circumstance, hey, chief, I think we're going to fly into a mountain. That makes me feel afraid of the mountain. What should we do? And then he's like, oh, but we crashed already, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, definitely that is one of the big things. Yeah, I mean, that's very important. And I think it's also important to keep in mind that our the earthly realm reflects or should reflect the heavenly realm. And in heaven, we have Christ the King. And, of course, there is the heavenly hierarchy. We have the heavenly host, the angels, especially we think about today being the Feast of Michaelmas. And we also think of... The, the church, which is supposed to be the, the perfect uh, society. And so we have the pope as the king, the bishops as lords, and so on and so forth. And so we see this kind of reflection in the church and in heaven. So why not in a temporal society? And in families, too, mm. you know, the way families are. Um, and so, yeah, it, it makes sense. I think we always are considering it from our very broken human nature perspective. And we're just like, wow, but a king could just be horrible. He could just decide to do all these terrible things. And I said, but on the other side, he could choose to make really good decisions. So, um, but yeah, like we should reflect what we see in heaven, Um Again, I'm not sitting here saying that everyone should be a monarchy like that's not I you know, there's still a lot of things that sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. But um, it's just again, it's an interesting thing to ponder uh, the way that God set up the structure of the church. Now, Cecil, I presume that you're going the entire show will be in its conclusion saying now that I've convinced everyone monarchy is good. We are going to make Adrian the monarch, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I that was I was gonna say Cecil the Queen, but that's okay too, I guess. Oh, <laughs> I see. I see how. I was gonna say, okay. you know, you know, and then maybe I could make William my heir, and mm. he could take over after me. You know, that kind of thing. Just like I've been trying to take over Dave's job, I'm also just trying to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you have to get in line, Cecil. I'm already on that. Um, I'm already on that path. Uh, Adrian for King. Wherever people are gonna vote me in, because that's, that's totally how that works. Um, we're going to make that, we're going to make that a thing. It's going to happen. So don't you worry. Now, Cecil, if people want to get in touch, if they want to make sure they can get the email, how do they do so? You can go ahead and email us at back to the father at grnonline.com. Back to the father at grnonline.com. 
com. I was very excited last week that we got someone signing up to our email list when I gave that out. So you'll get an email on Friday morning letting you know what the topic's going to be. So you'll get one a little bit about today's topic. I also try to link all of the things that we're going to be talking about, the references. And then when we go live, you'll also get the link that you can just click on and join us. And we love getting conversation, whether you agree or disagree with what we're talking about in the comments, because that really helps liven up the show. Amen. Amen. So go check out Back to the Father at 1 p.m. Central and do me a favor. Go to the comments and say a King Adrian in the comments. Uh, just <laughs> just spam Sissel with comments uh, saying that Adrian is going to be the king. And uh, don't let them say that Sissel will be queen. Don't let them talk about all these other things. We're not gonna, we're not dealing with that. Uh, but God bless you, Sissel. God love you and have a great day. Thank you. You too, Adrian. All right. We're going to go to fear and trembling and we're giving out a prize today. So call in 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Call now. We're giving away a prize today and you could be the winner. Call 1-877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When you walk into your non-denominational church or your megachurch, what do you see? What stands out to you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, observations in a Catholic church. You will notice at least eight items, all of which have religious, historical, or biblical significance. Secondly, what are those items? As soon as you walk in, the can't miss baptismal font, a stone altar, stained glass windows, 14 stations of Christ's passion, statues, a gold tabernacle, a lit candle near the tabernacle, and a large crucifix. Thirdly, my take. So, what seems to fill your church and truly move you toward Jesus? Oh, I know you don't need a physical or superfluous objects to move you toward Jesus. He's everywhere and in your heart. And that is true. But tell that to Moses, David, and Solomon, who were under strict and exact directions from God on how to build his house and then fill it with his Shekinah glory. I mean, does a comfy chair, does a flashy Fender guitar, does a well-fashioned stage move you toward contemplation and holiness? Remember, stages are for entertainment, but sanctuaries are for worship. Ever feel like life is just too busy, too much? Constant noise, social and traffic, work, paint, bills, it just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, then find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of the game show Fear and Trembling where we give out prizes and you could be a winner. How do you do so? Well, the first person to pick up the phone and dial that number, 877-757-9424, will be our contestant to play Fear and Trembling. And here's the trick. I have three Catholic trivia questions. And the trick is I'm not going to ask you the question. No, instead, I'm going to ask Nick the question. And you're going to have 15 seconds to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong, which means even if you just guess and you don't know the answers at all, 
you have a 50-50 chance of getting each question correct. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. And this week's prize is generously donated by Bishop Sheen today. Bishop Sheen today generously has donated his book on virtue and vices, uh, Fulton Sheen's book on virtue and vices, rather. And you'll have that prize plus some CDT goodies are going to be thrown in the mix right there. So make sure you call in 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven ninety four twenty four, and I have some good news for you. Uh, right now, the person who picks up the phone and dials now will, in fact, be the contestant because there is nothing but opportunity here for you. I'm looking at the phone lines, and you could be the winner. So dial that number eight seven seven. Seven five seven nine four two four, and if you need to go and write that number down because I talk too fast, well, head to our website. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. grnonline.com forward slash cdt. There is listed my email address. And that's also listed the phone number for the game show. It listed all the information on how to connect with us, our social streams. All those things are in fact listed. In our in our uh, website, just go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And if you don't get on today, well, make sure that you come on on Monday because we get all new prizes. Plus, uh, God willing, because Rudy's sick, so pray for Rudy. He he got sick while he was on vacation. He'll be back, so you'll be we'll have brand new prizes, and Rudy will be here. It'll be a great time. So make sure you do so. Grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And joining us right now is uh, Reyes. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, did I get your your name right? No, Diana. 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 Good morning to you, Diana. And Diana, where are you calling in from? A Lotus, Texas. A Lotus, Texas. Mm-hmm. Oh, where is it. where is that at? H e l o t e s. Right outside San Antonio. Oh wow. Holetus, Holetus, Texas. Did I say that correctly? A Lotus. A Lotus, Lotus, Texas. There you go. A Lotus, Texas. I'm going to write it the way you're saying it. There you go. Well, it's Elotes. Elotes. Okay. Okay. Now we're talking. Okay. All right, Diana. I got it. Uh, San Antonio area. Praise be to God. We love our San Antonio area callers. Um, They're always on time. Now, Diana, where are you off to this morning? take my dog to get her groomed get her groomed praise be to god um what kind of dog do you got a little schnauzer miniature schnauzer a miniature schnauzer uh, i have a little yorkie poo half a yorkie half poodle and homeboy does not stop barking i'm just like dude uh, you make me want to rip my hair out because it just never stops are schnauzers barkers yes yeah. or yipping barking mm- Ah, uh, yeah, I, that's almost worse. That's almost worse. <laughs> Yipping. Oh, my goodness. Well, God bless you. I hope I uh, hope that goes well for you today. Uh, but Diana, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how to play? Yes, yeah, because I listen to you every morning. Uh, praise be to God. Well, don't you worry. I'm sure you're going to do great. I don't know if you can discern how Nick is going to do, but um, it's your job to figure out whether or not he's right or wrong. You ready to play? Uh huh. All right, let's jump into it. Question number one for you, Nick. Are you ready? I am ready. Here's the question Our Lady appeared to two little shepherds, Melanie and Maximin, in the French mountain village of what? 
Well, you were just there not too long ago, so, uh, you know, I'm kind of thinking, I believe they were in Lourdes. Lourdes, you say? Yes. Oh, there was? Our, our lady did appear in Lourdes. The question yes. is, who did she appear to? All right, here's the question, Diana. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, our lady appeared to two little shepherds, Melanie and Maximin, in the French mountain village of what? Nick says, it's Our Lady of Lords, of course, in Lords, France. Uh, what say you, Diana? I agree. You agree? Are you sure? Maybe not. Maybe not? <laughs> what are you going to go with? No. You're going to go with no? All right. Let's see. Survey says... That is correct, Diana. Way to go. Could not trick you. Could not uh, trick her. You, you see that discerning... I was going to say eye. Discerning ear. Discerning ear there. She could tell. Uh, no, it was, in fact, Our Lady of La Salette. Our Lady of La Salette. So he appeared in the village of La Salette. Um, Lourdes would be St. Bernadette. St. Bernadette was right. Lourdes. Uh, at, first, at first I said, is that right? And then I was like, no. And that's not where she appeared. <laughs> yeah. The, I actually did a video recently, last week, I think, on America Needs Fatima YouTube channel about Our Lady of La Salette. So that was a, a good good timing. Her feast day just passed as well. So uh, all good things. All good things. All right, Diana, are you ready for question number two? Sure. All right. Here we go. Question number two for you, Nick. All right. In the creation story, on which day did God make man? Uh, well, I know it wasn't the first. It wasn't the first. So okay. I'm, I'm going to say the sixth. You're going to say the sixth? Yes, sixth. Okay. Okay. That's um, the number after five. Correct. But before seven. Yes. All right. All right. I, I'm i smart. I can do math. I, <laughs> I guess the seven, eight, nine. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke, that's a joke yes. for some, somewhere, somehow. Yeah. All right, Diana. Um, hopefully you understand more than I do because apparently I'm lost. But 15 seconds on the clock, Diana. The question is, in the creation story, on which day did God make man? Well, Nick says it wasn't the first day. I know that for sure. But we're going to go with sixth. And why was six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. There you go. Now I remember the joke. There you go. All right, Diana. 15 seconds on the clock. Was it the sixth? What say you? Yes, that's correct because I'm sending the Bible timeline. Hey, there you go. All right, let's see. Survey says that is correct, Diana. All right. Uh, praise be to God. That's the, the Bible timeline with um, Jeff Cavins. Yes. Praise be to God. I I began that at my parish years ago, and then I just stopped doing it. So I need to, <laughs> I need to go back and do that again. Uh, but way to go, Diana. You're doing better than I am. Uh, how far are you in the Bible so far? Uh, we're just on the third section. The third section, which is eight weeks. So this was our third week that oh. we met. Well, there you go. Praise be to God. Oh, well, I hope it goes well, and I hope you're able to finish it. Unlike some people, <laughs> me. Uh, so very good, Diana. Uh, praise be to God. We're, you're in for two now. The third question here. It's another Bible question, but I don't think you're this far in the Bible yet. So we're gonna see if you can get it right. Are you ready? Sure. All right, Nick. The question is. And which book of the Bible is the story of Samson found? Well, the story of Samson. Um, well, you know, Samson, he was an Israelite warrior. He was, he was a judge. Mm, he 
was a judge. And a leader. He was a leader, that's true. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, say that he was in Judges. In Judges? Yes. I was thinking he was in the book of Samson, but I guess you can, we're going to go with Judges. All right, Diana, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, in which book of the Bible is the story of Samson found? Now, Nick seems to think it's the book of Judges. Uh, I don't know about that. Did he judge people? He didn't seem very judgmental to me. Uh, I would say it's the book of Samson, but Nick's the saying it's the book of Judges. What say you, Diana? Well, you're right. I don't know, so I'm going to guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are you going to go with? What's your guess? This time, I guess I'm going to agree with him because I don't know. All right. She's going to agree. Let's see if he she's right. That's correct, Diana. Right. Way to go. See? <laughs> Even when you guess, there's a 50-50 chance of you getting the question right. Well, Diana, I need you to stay on the line because we're going to shake up the coffee cup of divine providence. Uh, we're going to get a drum roll, please. Um, Taylor, drum roll, please. All and, right. Uh, Taylor is uh, hitting those drums. He is going hard. And Nick has shaken it up. And we have a name. We have the name. Amy. Amy. Praise be to God. Way to go, Amy. I'm sorry, Diana, your name was not drawn from the coffee cup today, but make sure to call back in the future because maybe next time it'll be your lucky time. But God bless you, Diana. Thank you. Y'all have a good day. God bless. You as well. And tell the schnauzer hi for me. I will. Thank you. Take care. (laughs) All right. And that's going to do it for the radio side. But... The Catholic Drive Time doesn't end right now because you can join us in the after show. All you got to do is hop on Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, and you can leave a comment and interact with us directly. How do you do so? Just hop on Facebook, Rumble, or YouTube, whatever is your favorite, and look up Catholic Drive Time. And if you leave a comment there, I will see it and we'll interact with you. Whatever it is you want to talk about, your questions, comments, concerns, soapboxes, negativities, positivities, or anything in between, we would love to talk about. So make sure you leave a comment down below, and we'd love to interact with you. But if not, we'll see you back on Monday morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. Oh, and before I forget, if you want an email from our email list, hop on to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and join our email list because I send out an email every Friday, almost, (laughs) sometimes I don't, but... Today I will, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, hop on there and join our email list so I can send you an email with all sorts of interesting videos, facts, you'll enjoy it. So grnonline.com forward slash cdt, and I'll see you in the after show, but if not, we'll see you Monday morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. God bless you, God love you, and remember, today's not a holy day of obligation, but it is a holy day of opportunity. It's a feast of Michaelmas, so make sure you say the St. Michael prayer many times today and pray and have devotion to St. Michael. St. Michael, pray for us. Defend us in battle. God bless you. God love you. And I'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. 
Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. The chapel, home of the Salt community. This morning we are celebrating the feast of the archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. This morning's Mass is being offered for all of our listeners on Guadalupe Radio Network and for those joining us online. Ye holy angels bright Who wait at God's right hand Or through the realms of light Fly at your Lord's command Assist our song For else the theme too high Does seem for mortal tongue you blessed souls at rest who ran this earthly race and now from sin released behold the Savior's face God's praises sound as else in sight with sweet delight you do abound in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned, in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christ eleison. Christ eleison. Kyrie eleison. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of good will. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, 
Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who dispose in marvelous order ministries both angelic and human, Graciously grant that our life on earth may be defended by those who watch over us as they minister perpetually to you in heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Revelation. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels battled against the dragon. The dragon and its angels fought back, but they did not prevail, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The huge dragon, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, was thrown down to earth, and its angels were thrown down with it. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have salvation and power come and the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his anointed. For the accuser of our brothers is cast out, who accuses them before our God day and night. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. The Word of the Lord. In the sight of the angels, I will sing your praises, Lord. In, In the, the sight, sight of the angels, angels I, will I will sing, sing your, praises, your praises, Lord. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with all my heart, for you have heard the words of my mouth. In the presence of the angels, I will sing your praise. I will worship at your holy temple and give thanks to your name. In, In the, the sight, sight of the angels, I will sing your praises, Lord. Because of your kindness and your truth, for you have made great above all things your name and your promise. When I called, you answered me. You built up strength within me. In, In the, the sight of the angels, angels I, will I will sing your, your praises, praises, Lord. All the kings of the earth shall give thanks to you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. Great is the glory of the Lord. In, In the, the sight of the angels, I will sing your praises, Lord. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. 
Bless the Lord, all you angels, you ministers who do his will. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Here is a true child of Israel. There is no duplicity in him. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And he said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. a point in the liturgical year in a special way where the attention of the angels are brought into our perspective. In particular, today we are celebrating the feast of the archangels Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. As we look out into creation and we see the hierarchy of being that God has created, we can see that there is inanimate life which is in the world, or I should say inanimate objects, things like rocks which do not have life in them but which exist. We have vegetative life, we have animal life, animals with a sensitive appetite and some kind of instinctual sense about them. And then we have human beings, creatures with a body but who are also composite and have a spiritual soul. We human beings are composite of spirit and matter. And as we look at that hierarchy of being, it only makes sense in a way that there also then would be a dimension of creation which would be purely spiritual, purely immaterial. And this is precisely where we believe the angels fit in as they are attested to in sacred scripture in a special way. The angels are unseen, but they are powerful ministers of God as we heard in the opening prayer and they are at our side to help and defend us. Saint Michael in particular who his name means one who is like God. We know in sacred scripture in the four times where he appears, St. Michael is always coming to the defense of human beings to offer us protection. And in particular, St. Michael is known for his battles and fights against the devil. And therefore, St. Michael is a very important saint, as well as Gabriel and Raphael to pray to. I think when we look out in our world today, and if we were to say, you know, what is the primary work of St. Michael to protect us from? In other words, what is the work that the devil is about that St. Michael is then trying to counteract? I think in the first place, when we look at scripture, we can see with the devil, he has a few objectives in mind. In the first place, we can see that his first instance of appearing in the Bible is in the relationship of Adam and Eve sowing seeds of discord among them, of leading them to temptation with one another, and eventually leading them down a path of sin. I think this is the first place we can see that 
The devil would like nothing more than to see the breakdown of marriage and the breakdown of family life. The family we know is the fundamental building block of society. It's also the fundamental building block of the church. The family is meant to be a domestic church. Every priest and religious comes from the goodness of a family. And if the devil can succeed in breaking down the family and destroying the relationship between the man and the woman, the husband and wife, ultimately he takes a great step in succeeding in the demise of culture and even into sowing seeds of discord within the church. And therefore we know that St. Michael is about the work of protecting family life, protecting the dignity of marriage and protecting family life so that it would continue and would always strive to be a place where children come to encounter the goodness of the love of God so they then can mature and go out and share that love in the church and with other people. The second dimension we know of the devil, again from the book of Genesis, that in his temptation of Adam and Eve, that he tells them, if you eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will become like God. In other words, you will be the ones to be able to decide what is right and what is wrong. And very sadly, this too we see is an error which is repeated over and over again in our society that we human beings, we want to be the ones to be able to decide what is true and what is false. We want to be able to decide what is morally good and what is morally evil. It's the oldest temptation in the Bible and it is the most persistent one that continues to show up today. And St. Michael in protecting us always reminds us God has already placed goodness and truth in things. We human beings discover the truth about the good to be done and make the decision to conform our wills to it. And we learn what is the wrong and evil which is to be avoided. But we don't get to invent. And finally, we know that Jesus also speaks to us about the work of the devil to divide, to create division and separation. And here too, we can see again, even Within the church sometimes today, there is a temptation to cause division within the church. Different camps, different forms of separating from one another. And this too, we know that St. Michael must be protecting and defending the church to the unity of God to ensure that the church would be a place where the communion of the Most Holy Trinity would be tangible and visible in a way in the world in which we live. And so St. Michael, I'm sure, continues to pray for unity within the church. And to this end, my brothers and sisters, we also know, therefore, what work we should be about in our lives. We should be about defending the dignity of what marriage is in the plan of God, defending the dignity of family life as the fundamental building block of society. We ought to be about promoting the truth that God has placed in creation and in moral goodness and the things that we ought to avoid as well. And finally, we ought to be agents of unity within our church and in the world to lead people into the communion of the Most Holy Trinity. And this is the work of our lives. And so today as we go forward, let us give thanks to God for these marvelous creatures, the angels, in a special way today, the archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. 
and we beg their intercession that they would help us and lead us into communion with the Most Holy Trinity. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops. We pray to the Lord. Lord, We pray for government leaders that they would be inspired to enact just laws that safeguard the dignity of human life at every phase. We pray to the Lord. For the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. For our family, friends, benefactors, for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio Network and online, and for those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Praise the Lord, ye heavens adore him. Praise him, angels in the height. Sun and moon rejoice before him. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise the Lord, for he has spoken. Worlds his mighty voice obeyed. Laws which never shall be broken, for their guidance he has made. Praise the Lord, for he is glorious, never shall his promise fail. God has made his saints victorious, sin and death shall not prevail. Praise the God of our salvation. Hosts on high his power proclaim. Heaven and earth and all creation. Praise and magnify his name. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. We offer you a sacrifice of praise, O Lord, humbly entreating that as these gifts are borne by the ministry of angels into the presence of your majesty, so you may receive them favorably and make them profitable for our salvation through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your heart. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, and to praise you without end in your archangels and angels. For the honor we pay the angelic creatures in whom you delight redounds to your own surpassing glory. And by their great dignity and splendor you show how infinitely great you are 
to be exalted above all things, through who Christ our Lord. Through him the multitude of angels extols your majesty, and we are united with them in exultant adoration, as with one voice of praise we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenisun celi et terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, 
we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. And graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Panis Angelicus, Fihit Panis Ovinum, Dat Panis Celicus, Figuris Teminum, O res mirabilis, manducat dominum, paupercevus et humilis. Te trina deitas, unaque posimus, Signos tu visita, sicute coliulimus, ad lucem quam nitus, in hitrinondimus, ad lucem let us pray. Having been nourished with heavenly bread, we beseech you humbly, O Lord, that drawing from it new strength, under the faithful protection of your angels, we may advance boldly along the way of salvation through Christ our Lord. 
Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hail, Holy Queen, enthroned above, O Maria. Hail, Mother of mercy and of love, O Maria. Triumph, all ye cherubim, sing with us, ye seraphim. Heaven and earth resound the hymn, Salve. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.